I spent the morning of Friday, August 24th, 2018 at the Chester County Courthouse, and it turned out to be the best day of my whole summer. Thankfully, I wasn't there because I was in trouble with the law. I was in court that day to witness one of the single most beautiful moments I have ever seen. Some of you know that Pastor Andrew's family grew by two this year. Some of you may not know that. Andrew and his wife Angela had a biological daughter, and they also adopted a daughter. I was in court that morning to witness the adoption. I learned that day that what makes an adoption legal and what makes an adoption final is when the judge signs the adoption decree. So the hearing began with the adoption lawyer. His name was was Jay, and he was in a really nice suit, and he had small glasses, and he looked like a lawyer. And he started the hearing by asking Andrew and Angela if they knew the ramifications of adopting this little girl. I have a picture of her for you. Uh, these, are, these are my two girls right here, and then uh, that is the daughter that Andrew and Angela adopted. And if you're wondering why I'm not saying uh, her name, it's just for uh, reasons for security. So you're like, just say her name. No, because um, it's on the podcast. You can ask Andrew and Angela what her name is after. But the lawyer read this at the beginning of the hearing. He said this. He said, You understand that when her honor signs this decree, the law will recognize you folks as mom and dad to her, as if she were born of your marriage to one another, and that you will have all of the rights, duties, privileges, and obligations that go along with that responsibility. And you understand that this is a permanent responsibility that continues even if, God forbid, she becomes sick or you should separate or divorce, and you take that obligation of your own free will. Then Judge Platt, who was the judge that day, questioned Andrew and Angela about their willingness to make this precious little girl, who they had only known for a short time, a permanent member of their family. The thing about adoption is this, is that the one being adopted doesn't choose to be adopted. They haven't earned the right to be adopted, and they haven't paid the legal fees associated with the adoption. They are brought into the family because of the kindness and the will of the adoptive parents. August 24th was, hands down, my best day of the whole summer for two reasons. First, A little girl who needed a home got one. And second, I got to see a living illustration of how powerful and deep and comprehensive the love of God is for his children. One of the metaphors or one of the pictures in the New Testament of what it means to be a Christian is that of adoption. There's different metaphors in the New Testament. There's something called being born again. There's something called being a new creation. And another one is called being an adopted child of God. And so today, we're going to look at what it means to be adopted. We've been in Romans chapter 8, and we have been talking about this concept of facing life with confidence. And why we can face life with confidence is not because we have amazing self-esteem. Newsflash, 
That's not a good way to build an identity on self-esteem. What you don't want for your kids and yourself is greater self-esteem. You want their confidence not to be in who they are, but to be in who God says they are. So when we talk about facing life with confidence, we're not talking about you're going to get up tomorrow morning, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, look in the mirror, say, you're the man, and go take the world by storm. That's not what we mean. We mean you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to be like, you know who I am? I'm an adopted child of the King of Kings, and I got a dad who loves me, and you know what? No matter if I succeed or fail today, I'm loved. I can be confident. So that's the kind of confidence we're after. So today we're going to learn about adoption, and if anything, if this doesn't give you confidence to face life, I got to be honest, I don't know what will. Tony Robbins might promise that he can help you face life with confidence, but that's just some weird form of believe in yourself. That's the only message the world has, believe in yourself. My message this morning through the Apostle Paul, through the preaching of God's word is believe in God. Don't believe in yourself. You don't got what it takes. Welcome to Connection Church. All right, here's what it says. Romans 8, 14 through 17. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. What about daughtership? We'll get there soon. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's pray. Dad, help us to have an awesome time together this morning. Help us to leave this place knowing the kind of relationship you want with us. Lord, please help me. Help me just to say what your word says. I'm not here to give my opinion. I'm not here to wax eloquent about the news. I'm here to proclaim Jesus Christ and proclaim that you are our dad. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're going to give you five reasons, five reasons why it is a tremendous benefit of being adopted. So the question we're asking is, what are the benefits of being adopted? And I'm going to give you five reasons. Number one, here's why it's a benefit to be adopted. We are led by the Spirit. So throughout Romans 8, Paul has been teaching us that the Spirit comes into our life to help us do uh, something really important. It, the Spirit helps us to kill our sin. So who is the Holy Spirit? Okay, The Holy Spirit is not some weird Star Trek or Star Wars thing. I actually don't know because I'm not that kind of person. Like, may the force be with you. Okay, If you're that kind of person, you're welcome here. But we're not talking about a force when we talk about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the personal presence of God coming into our lives. The Holy Spirit is a person. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit comes into our life that Paul has been talking about in Romans 8. Who has the Holy Spirit? Everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus. So you don't need to wonder, well, do I have the Spirit? Do I not have the Spirit? If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit that Paul has been talking about in Romans 8 is that the Holy Spirit helps 
helps us put our sin to death. The Holy Spirit leads us into holiness and leads us away from doing the things that our flesh wants to do. So Paul tells us throughout Romans 8 that there's really a battle going on in your heart and in my heart. Here's the battle. If you know Jesus, you want to do the right thing. You want to obey God. You want to do things that please God. But you also see something else in your life. You want to do bad stuff. Yep, Christians want to do bad stuff. We want to live for ourselves. We want to be greedy. We want to gossip. We want to look at things we should not look at. Like, we still have real desires. We get caught off, cut off in traffic, and we still want to say things that don't sound like God bless you today. We give people half peace signs. Like, we are not always led by the Spirit. I don't do that, but maybe you have. I really don't do that, just in case you're wondering. But I got a lot of other sin. You got a lot of sin. But the Spirit is leading us to honor Jesus in every decision we make. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? People have a lot of ideas about what that means. And I'm not saying it only means what I'm about to tell you. But in this context, this is what it means to be Spirit-led. We have to go back to verse 13 to understand. Paul says this, starting in Romans 8, verse 13. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. That's some good news. But, okay, here's the real good news. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you're going to live. For, for, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Catch this. Paul is connecting putting your sin to death and being led by the Spirit. Here's what it means to live a Spirit-led life in this context. The Spirit is drawing you into a life of purity, godliness, and holiness. Or to put it another way, the Spirit is leading you to become more like Jesus. When we are adopted into the family of God, we do not stay the same. We start to resemble our Father. God is holy, so the Spirit is leading us into holiness. So I have a question for you. How do you know you've been adopted? You see growth in your life. Of course you're not perfect. Of course you still fail. Of course you have a long way to go. But spirit-led people grow in godliness even if it's slow and clunky. So my wife Cheryl and I, we just celebrated 18 years since our first date. November 3rd, 2000, we went to TGI Fridays. I think it's gone downhill from here. But we, 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 we definitely have chosen better restaurants. But TGI Fridays in Williamsville, it used to be awesome. It used to be the best restaurant in our whole town. The town's gotten better. And so anyway, we went to TGI Fridays. And she was 21. I was 18. And I didn't say that so you know she was older than me. But she was 21. I was 18. And we sat down and I ordered the coconut chicken fingers. And she ordered the chicken pecan encrusted chicken salad. And it was like really terrible. I was sick the entire time. We went back to my house to watch the election, Gore versus Bush, 2000. I had a lot of game when I was 18. I spent half the night in the bathroom because I was as nervous as a cat in the shower, and like, it was just not good. It was just not good, and I was sitting there trying to enjoy this time, and I had Cheryl's mom come and pick her up because I couldn't drive her home. And we had a second date. And that is a miracle. You know what's amazing about my wife, and, and you're like, this is kind of cheesy. I, I know this is cheesy, but, but I have a point. I'm not just bragging on her. <sighs> 18 years later, you know what I see in Cheryl Terreri? 
a woman who is becoming more and more like Jesus. Do you know what I saw when I was 18 and 21? A woman who was real in the early stages of becoming like Jesus. As I look back over 18 years and I watched how Cheryl has grown, I see real fruit of godliness in her life. But that's been over 18 years. Are you growing in the Lord? I'm not asking if you're a spiritual superstar. I'm asking if you're a child of God, if you've been adopted, you're growing, you're changing. Slowly over time, even if it's two steps forward and three steps back, you see progress in your life. Being adopted by God means we are empowered by the Spirit to grow to become the people God knows we can become. Here's the second thing. We are no longer slaves, we are sons. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So in the Roman Empire, adoption usually occurred when a wealthy man had no heir for his estate. He would choose to adopt a male child or even a grown man so that they could become the heir and they would immediately have the status of a son. It was always the firstborn son in the family who would, inher- who would inherit the lion's share of the estate. It might seem sexist, especially in 2018, for Paul to tell us that we have been adopted to sonship, but actually it's revolutionary. Even though sonship was a power and privilege only given to men, Paul has the audacity to say to all believers, both male and female, that the status we receive in the family of God is that of firstborn son. God gives the highest status and equal honor to all of his children. So ladies, you shouldn't be sitting there saying, oh, I'm a daughter, I'm a daughter. You are a daughter of God, but your status is sonship. Firstborn in the family, ready to inherit all that belongs to God. Paul really wants us to understand our new identity now that we're adopted. We no longer should see ourselves as slaves who live in fear of God's judgment, who live in fear of God's wrath, who live in fear of losing relationship with God. Our new identity is that we are sons, all of us, men and women. So one of the questions everyone in our culture is asking is this, who am I? Too many of us. Many of us in this room, you are in the business of trying to find and build your identity. Some of us try and find our identity in our careers, our homes, our wealth, our looks, our car, our talents, our bodies, our parenting, our children, our marriage, our political affiliation, our hobbies, our achievements, and our likes and loves on social medias. Everyone is searching for an identity. And a lot of us are looking for the world to tell us who we are. A lot of us are looking for our achievements at work to define who we are. A lot of us look at our bank accounts to tell us how successful we are. But you don't get an identity through accomplishing. Let me say something that I think is so important for all of us to know. An identity is not something you achieve or something you go out to find. An identity is something that you receive. An identity must be received. The truest and purest 
and healthiest sense of identity that you can have is that you are a child of God. You are adopted to sonship. You are no longer slaves living in fear. And here's the thing about building your identity on everything other than being a child of God. This causes you, and I promise this is true, all of you identity seekers looking to find your identity in your athleticism, your, 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 how great shape you're in, how much money you make, what car you drive, what house you live in, how awesome your children are. Here's the thing about building your identity. Here's why you're going to live in fear. Because all of those things can be lost. You can lose all of that. Do you know what cannot be lost? The status of a child of God. We are no longer slaves. We are sons. Brings me to point three. Here's a third reason why it's awesome to be adopted. We have a dad. I'm going to guess this is the point you're going to like the least and feel the most uncomfortable with. And it's the best news I have for you today. We have a dad. Paul says, and by him, who's the him? The Holy Spirit. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When we are adopted into the family of God, one of the ways the Holy Spirit works in us is to help us realize one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit that is happening in your heart right now or happens from time to time is that the Holy Spirit testifies to the inner part of who you are that you're a child of God. So what does this word testify mean? It's actually like a picture of a courtroom. The Holy Spirit is on the witness stand of your heart testifying to you about what they have seen and what they have heard and what they know. And here's what the Holy Spirit has seen. Here's what the Holy Spirit knows. That you, if you have put your faith in Jesus, the Spirit is trying to convince you that you are a child of God. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be weirded out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to convince you about the relationship that God desires with you. And what is the nature of that relationship? Paul tells us, by the Spirit we cry out, Abba, Father. The word Abba, here's what this means. The word Abba was what children in Paul's day would use when they spoke to their fathers. It's a term like, and this is going to make some of you uncomfortable, it's a term like daddy. It is. It's like daddy, dad. My little girls, they still call me daddy. My son, he calls me dad. There's people in our church that some of their kids call them papa. I love that one. But like there's endearment. See, the word Abba, it's a word laced with intimacy, trust, love, and tenderness. What is Paul trying to teach us about what it means to be adopted? That God is not only the all-powerful all creator. God is a dad. God is your dad. And Paul tells us the Spirit's activity in our life is convincing us to relate to God like a daddy. Dudes, I know you don't want to do that. I know that. Some of our ladies, you may not love that. 
you're not going to probably pray to God, Daddy. But that's the atmosphere of the relationship. Like God is huge and powerful and awesome in every sense of that word. But he looks upon his people and he says, would you think of me as dad? That's how much the Lord loves you. That's how much the Lord cares for you. That's how close God wants to be to you. That's his heart for your relationship with him. God is our dad. And I know that some of us have dad issues. I know some of us have had dads who weren't great dads, and that might be being really generous. But that does not mean Connection Church. Everyone here. Everyone right here. That does not mean, no matter who your earthly dad was, that does not mean you should be spending the rest of your life living as a slave. Always trying to please God, never really enjoying him. Never really being close to him. What I believe that God wants to speak into your life this morning is that if you have given your life to Christ, the atmosphere of your relationship with God is the best dad in the world, full of love and affection for his child. And no matter how you feel about you or your earthly dad, that's how God feels about you. You know, you may not know this, but I've shared this in the past, but um, almost every Sunday morning is a time of just strong anxiety in my own heart. Like sometimes if you see me before service, I look like I'm just kind of like walking around aimlessly, kind of smiling at people, shaking their hand. I probably seem like a politician who's just trying to like say hello to everybody. I, like you need to know that I get really nervous before I preach. So I'm trying to just not think about preaching in those moments. And so if you see me before service and I seem like Mr. Fake, I, I'm not, I'm just nervous. And, and I think some of the reasons sometimes I get nervous is because I get performance anxiety. And I'm not performing for you this morning, I'm preaching to you. But the Lord spoke to me really clearly about two months ago. And uh, it's not that I don't struggle with anxiety, but this certainly helped. The Lord asked me a question, and, and I know for some of you, you're like, wait, God speaks to you? Honestly, not that much. God speaks to me primarily through his word. I don't get any of my sermons from things that God says to me. They all come from the Bible, okay? So just so you know, that's just where I'm at. But occasionally I sense that God's speaking to me. So I had this moment with the Lord. And the Lord asked me this question. He says, do you love Joseph because he's good at math? And I laughed out loud. I was by myself. I'm like, <laughs> no. My son Joseph, he's pretty good at math. I said, I've never once thought, Lord, about loving Joseph because he's good at math. And I immediately got what the Lord was saying to me. Joe, what you do for me is really not that important to me. My love for you is based on the fact that you're my son. So whether you preach or you don't preach, whether you succeed or you fail, 
I'm a son. Whether you succeed or you don't succeed, you're a son. You have a dad. And that's just not preacher talk. That's the reality of the God of the universe. You have a dad. Fourth thing. We are getting a big inheritance. Sounds awesome. We are getting a big inheritance. Listen to what Paul says. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You know who's never going to have financial problems? Bill Gates' kids. Their dad is worth $95.6 billion. $95.6 billion. He's not going to be able to spend that before he's gone. Do you know what? We have a brighter future than Bill Gates' kids if they don't know Jesus. If they do, they're with us. Being adopted means that you have been written into the will of God. God's will has been written and your name is on it. Let me ask you, what doesn't belong to God? Nothing. Everything belongs to him. Everything that belongs to God is going to belong to us. Everything that Jesus is going to inherit, we are going to inherit. I know that sounds outrageous, but it's exactly what Paul is saying. There is a day coming when you will never be in need again. Jesus has promised to prepare a place for us. Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, tell us that we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, meaning that our inheritance, whatever that's going to look like, is never going to wear down, break down, or be lost. The best that we can hope to inherit in this life is our parents' stuff and their money. But guess what? You're going in the grave too. You can enjoy it for a season. But stuff is actually what? Meaningless. We might have things that are valuable and mean something to us, but they're not going to matter one second after you're dead. See, we have an inheritance that is coming that will never break down, that will never spoil, that will never fade away. But here's what you need to know about the inheritance. It is not ultimately a financial or material inheritance. It is a relational inheritance. Do you know what's going to bring you the most joy in the future and the inheritance that you're actually longing for? Being with your dad. Being with God. The nature of our inheritance is this. Unbroken, unstained, uninterrupted relationship with God. Living in his presence forever with him. Our inheritance, do I think there's going to be some amazing things in heaven? Yes. Do I think we're going to have a blast in heaven? Yes. Do I think we're going to have angels' wings sing on clouds and sing Hillsong in heaven? I hope not. I hope that's not what it's like. But I'll be not sinful there. So maybe I'll want to do that. But man, I want to travel and see stuff and see the world. And you're like, wait, there's going to be able to see the world in heaven? Yep, there's a new creation coming. God's going to make all things new. He's renewing the earth. And it's going to be amazing. There's a new heavens and a new earth in our future. We're going to inherit all of us. And guess what? It's all going to belong to you. We have a big inheritance coming. But it's not primarily material. It's relational. We get to be with God. And that's the best thing we could ever get. 
Here's the last thing I want to tell you, and you're like, wow, this sermon was encouraging until this moment. Um, you're like, this is really weird. Like, adoption message was awesome until point five, because the fifth benefit is, if we're going to be adopted, is we will suffer. We will suffer like Jesus. Hang with me here. Open up your heart. Listen to what Paul says. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Catch this. Part of being adopted into a family is that you now experience what the other members of the family experience. Being adopted into God's family means that there will be times when we suffer. And I want to be very careful here about the kind of suffering we're talking about. We're not talking about the suffering that all of us experience, like anyone could get cancer, those who love Jesus and those who don't love Jesus. Anyone could lose their job, those who love Jesus and those who don't love Jesus. People lose loved ones, those who love Jesus and those who don't love Jesus. That's not the kind of suffering being talked about here. The suffering that Paul is saying, that is part of being part of the family of God, is that we are going to suffer because we are brothers and sisters of Jesus. Jesus faced rejection. Jesus was murdered. Jesus suffered. Jesus, why was Jesus rejected? Catch this. Jesus was rejected because he came to expose the sins of the world. He was rejected because he claimed to be God. And he was rejected because he warned all those who refused him that they would face the judgment of God. Likewise, as part of his family, we will suffer in some of the same ways. Yes, we probably won't die. But Christians die for their faith around the world every single day. But as we live for Christ, and as we speak for Christ, we should expect that there will be some suffering for Christ. What does that look like? Honestly, in 2018, in America, with all of our freedoms and laws that protect our religious liberties, I don't know what that suffering is going to look like. Maybe those will go away someday. And will we still gather? Would you still be here if I could be arrested or you could be arrested for worshiping Jesus in this place and proclaiming the name of Christ? I don't know what the suffering will look like. Here's what I do know. If you're in the family, you share in the sufferings of Christ. That's part of the package. Some of us want Jesus. Many of us, we love this church. Maybe you don't yet because you just got here, but we're really glad you're here. But many of us want Jesus, and many of us love this church, and we love one another, and we love the people here, and we love that God's given us this new building. Many of us, we, we love to give our money. Some of us don't, but many of us do. We're generous. We serve in ministry. But sometimes we want following Jesus just to be comfortable. We don't want following Jesus to cost us anything beyond our tithe and serving in ministry. But if we want the other benefits of adoption, we must embrace the benefit of suffering. As we suffer for Christ, why would God allow us to suffer with Christ? As we suffer with Christ, God shapes us into people who are done with the temporary pleasures of sin. 
Paul actually says that those who have suffered in the body are done with sin. There is a sense that when you have suffered for Christ, you see the lie of sin. You see the lie of the fleeting pleasures of this world. You see the lie of the fleeting pleasure of materialism and the short-lived acceptance of the world. Some of us, we don't want to suffer because we are still searching to be accepted by the world. We won't speak out for Christ at our workplace because we want our reputation to stay intact. We are good, reasonable, respectable, suburban people who do not want to identify with a Savior who comes and says, you need me, and if you don't turn, judgment is coming. Should that be the first thing we say? No. But that is the message of Jesus. I am the Savior of the world. The only way to be reconnected to God is through putting your faith in Jesus. All roads do not lead to God. They don't. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, they don't lead. They don't lead to life-giving, eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some of us don't like that message, and so we will leave here saying, I don't want to be a part of a church that proclaims Christ only. And you know the thing about Jesus? He was the most loving man who ever lived, and people still hated him. Here's a lie many of us in this room believe. If we're nice, everyone will love us. If we love well, others will love us well. Well, Jesus shows us that that is not the way. Are you willing to suffer with Christ? Now, let me be very clear. I don't think you should walk out of here today and try to suffer. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to you know, be done here and be like, all right, honey, what do you want to do after church? Hey, let's go try to suffer for Jesus. That's like not my goal in life. I'm not asking you to do that. Paul's not asking you to do that. But as you live the Christian life, as you are sold out for Jesus Christ, as you lay down your life and say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what that means, here's what's going to happen. There will be times of suffering. There will be times of rejection. There will be times of being misunderstood. Should we stand on the street corner with placards and yell at the world that they're going to hell? No. No. But you could lose a promotion because you're going to keep your integrity attacked for Christ. You could get asked to leave your job because... You're a follower of Jesus, and you're just not willing to do the company thing where everyone bends the truth and lies. But there's an amazing promise here. Look at it. If indeed we share in his sufferings, there's a purpose to our sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Who's the most glorious being in the whole world? Jesus. As we suffer with Christ, the day will come when we'll share in his glory. What does that look like? I have no idea, but it sounds awesome to me. Here's the thing. Jesus is better than this life. Jesus is better than this life. There's no other name. There's no other hope. There's nothing else that we should give our lives to than to Jesus. And sometimes when you give your life to Jesus, many times you end up suffering with him. And as we suffer with him, because we're part of the family, the day will come when we share his glory.
that's better than your reputation. That's better than all of your dreams coming true on this side of eternity. That's better than self-actualization. Jesus is always better. So I have two questions as I close this morning. Thanks for listening so well today. Here are my two questions. Number one, have you been adopted? Have you been adopted? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. Here's what the word adoption implies. If we believe in adoption as a picture of salvation, as a picture of what it means to be a Christian, it means this. No one is born into the family of God naturally. What does that mean? You are not a Christian because your dad was a Christian. You are not a Christian because you were raised in a Christian home. You are not a Christian because your dad or your grandpa or your grandma was a deacon in your church growing up. I've met people who really believe, oh, we're members of that church. Oh, what do you do there? Nothing. We're just on the membership roll. People have this false sense that they're in the family of God simply because they darken the doors of the church once on Christmas. I'm not a car because I stand in my garage. How do you become, a, how do you become adopted? Jesus' best friend in the whole world, John, tells us this. Yet to all who did receive him. Receive who? Jesus. Yet to all who did receive him. To those who believed in his name. Look at this. Look at this amazing promise. He gave the right. The right. Like it's your right to become a child of God. So maybe you're here this morning and you're not a child of God. Become one today. How? Believe in Jesus. How do you do that? You tell him. You put your trust in Jesus and not in yourself. You confess that you've been running from God your whole life you've been sinning and you've been doing things you should not do and the goal of your life has been to live for you and you've been rebelling against God and and maybe you've never thought about it that way before but that's what you've been doing and I don't say that to guilt you and shame you I say that to let you know that's where you're really at if you're not a child of God you're living your life in rebellion against your dad but he wants you in the family how do I know that he sent his only son to die for your sin He died in your place. And you need to become a child of God today. How do you do that? Let's pray. Could you do that with me this morning? If you want to become a child of God and everyone across this room with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let's stay still just for a moment. If you want to become an adopted child of God today and put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you pray this with me? You can just pray it quietly in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud, but this is just a prayer of saying, God, my life belongs to you. Pray something like this in your heart. God, I want to become one of your kids. I want to be in the family. Will you adopt me? This morning, I put my faith in your son, Jesus. I give you my heart. I turn from my sin. I turn from living for myself. I turn from doing the things I should not do. And I need to be forgiven for those things because those things have created a chasm between you and I. 
and I need the forgiveness of Jesus. And I want you to become my dad today. I give you my life, Lord. It's yours. Help me to follow Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you, if you are becoming a Christian today, and some of you probably are, I want you to let us know on the back of your connection card. Just on the back of your connection card, there's a place that says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Mark that, and on your way out this morning, you can drop your connection card in the bucket as you leave. I have one more question, though, and this is for the rest of us. It's this. Are you living as a slave or a son? How is your relationship with the Lord? Are you living as a slave? Meaning that God is your taskmaster who you are always trying to get to like you? Or are you living in the beauty of that relationship that the Holy Spirit is testifying to your spirit that you're a child of God and that by the Spirit you cry out to your dad? Would you say God is your dad or your slave master? Because I meet God's people all the time and what they usually fail to understand, and I know this because sometimes this is what I fail to understand, that God deeply loves you. That we don't earn anything from our dad. We simply go to work with him. And he uses us. And he blesses us. And he draws us close. Slaves tend to think in this term. If I do the wrong thing at any moment, I'm going to get a beating from the master. Some of you think that every bad thing that has ever happened to you is punishment from your slave master, God. That is not God's will for your life. Does God discipline his kids? All good fathers discipline their kids. But it's only out of love. It's only to shape us and instruct us and shape our hearts into what God has for us. Are you living as a slave? Or are you living as a son? Before we go today, can you just pray with me? Let's just take a moment before the Lord here, before we head home. I just want you to think about your own life think about your relationship with God. Think about how you think about God. Do you know in this very moment, and it's not just because you're in church, and it's not because we're just at this point of the service, but do you know in your heart of hearts that you are a beloved child of God? Do you know that you've never done anything to impress God? Do you know that you have not earned anything from him? Do you know that his affection for you has never increased or decreased depended on what kind of day, week, month, or year you're having? Do you know that you are the kind of child that God desires to call his own? And do you know that God wants you to see him as your dad. Some of us, we want to not be disrespectful to God, so we just, we just are always so formal with God, and we talk to God like, like he's a statue or a judge. 
And sometimes in our quest to be reverent before God, we're actually irreverent because we're disregarding how God wants us to relate to Him. Abba, Father. Yes, we have a healthy fear of the Lord. But we're always welcome in the presence of our dad. Lord, I pray this morning. Dad, I pray this morning for my brothers and sisters at Connection Church. I pray for each of them this morning that they would know and that I would know that you are an awesome dad who loves us. You care deeply about us, Lord. Help us to live as sons and not slaves. Help us to see you clearly. Break down the walls in our hearts that we have towards you. And God, help us to really be your children. Lord, you're honored by that. Lord, you know there's a lot of broken hearts and there's a lot of wounds that people in this room have from their own fathers. Lord, no earthly father has ever gotten it 100% right. Lord, part of really seeing you as the good dad that you are is forgiving the dads who have hurt us. Holy Spirit, lead people to do that today. Help us to enjoy our relationship with God this week. Help us to be people who share the good news about Jesus in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and wherever we are this week. Lord, you love people. You love this region. And you want people to know you. Use us in that, God. Bless people as they go today. In the beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.